Hello and welcome to the Doc Arena podcast in association with Film Ireland. My name is Ross Whitaker, and every fortnight I want to dig deeply into the motivations of documentary filmmakers. How do they choose their subject material and what approaches and strategies do they employ to fund, craft and distribute their work? In this episode, I'm delighted to speak to Christina Lindstrom and Christian Petri about their feature doc, The Most Beautiful Boy in the World, which premiered at Sundance and is coming to cinemas in the UK and Ireland from July 30th. On the 50th anniversary of the glittering premiere of Death in Venice, this documentary tells the moving story of the young boy who embodied legendary character Tadzio in Visconti's masterpiece. That young boy was Bjorn Andreasen, and his life was changed forever when Visconti plucked him from obscurity, labelled him the most beautiful boy in the world, and placed him in the limelight. Today, 50 years later, Bjorn Andreasen still lives in the shadow of his 15-year-old self. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I was just wondering to start off with, if you wouldn't mind explaining for people who haven't seen it yet, what the film is about. The film is about obsession with beauty and uh, about desire and about sacrifice. It's about a boy who play the role in Lucchini Visconti's death in Venice in 50 years ago. And it's about who was that boy and what happened to him. And it's more, I mean... It's like yeah, it's, it's very much about uh, the story. It's not about Tadzio, the character in Death in Venice. It's a film about Björn Andresen, who plays that role. And how the four, uh, film came to change his life in many ways. Uh, define uh, him. Define him. Uh, in Lucchino Visconti declared him in the London premiere 50 years ago, world premiere in London, he declared him to be the most beautiful boy in the world. And uh, that was sort of uh, stuck with him. It became like a sort of persona. It sort of, he couldn't get rid of it, no. you know, and it uh, created a lot of, well, it changed his life. Changed. So, and we thought that was an uh, extremely interesting uh, subject for, for a film, uh, how a film can change a person's life, not only, you know. And, and, and as, as he was a child and he was going into, adolescence and, and he was being he was in a formative part of his life uh, and that's what it what made it the whole impact of the of this uh, journey and you, you for him more sorry. strong yeah no you you can say that it's a very long time ago it's 50 years ago but it you know and they still have these uh, if you might call them fan pages I don't know what Maybe that's not the right word, but the pages where you celebrate the beauty of this young boy, you know, thousands and thousands on internet, you, you, you it's amazing. It, it never stops. So it's still there. And he's a, he's a subject for other people's uh, projections uh, that he, he's taken. He's in, he's in his, uh, his face is stolen and, and made something else out of. It was interesting watching it in that when you see that London premiere, the scale of it, it feels, you know, that obviously a film release of this size back then was a much bigger deal probably than it would be now. So 
when I when you think of the story in in modern terms, you don't realize the impact that w- that would have had on him. I mean, the Queen and Princess Anne were at the premiere in London. I and the footage of it, it's it's. I don't know if there's any kind of modern comparison to just the level of exposure that this young boy suddenly had. And in your film, we then find out about his, how his life was before that and the kind of person that he was and why this would have such a big impact on him. And, and that's kind of the discovery of the film. Yes, it is. Mm. And, and, and it's obvious that he was chosen not only for his beauty by Visconti, but for the story of his life. I mean, the experience he had in his young life, he had that uh, in his eyes, I think. For uh, Visconti to do, I mean, he, that made him um, even more attractive for Visconti with the sadness and the darkness. Yeah, that's uh, what everyone says around which you are still alive, that uh, he had this very special charisma, not only of beauty, but he had the darker side as well of uh, sadness and of vulnerability. And that's what's made him so exciting and interesting for a filmmaker. You know, you see that it's not only a pretty face, but it's, it's a soul. It's something, you know, uh, which is, of course, uh, Visconti saw immediately and yeah. that he differed from the other boys. And he had a, he had he had a, this dark soul, but also a very rich soul with a lot of humor. Even yeah, as a teenager, uh, he was yeah. a, a, all his teenage friends and people I met him, and even for us, no, <laughs> he, has, he has a lot of humor. Yeah, and he, and, <laughs> and he, way. And very he, witty. And he was very charismatic, as you can see already in the casting. I mean, still now, fifty years later, we understand. You know, he has something special something extra so how did you how did you then come to make this film as you say it's a story from now over over 50 years ago how did you decide to make this film now was it the 50th anniversary that that struck you or or was it more that it was something in the back of your mind no it was like for us in 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 our generation where bit younger but everyone you, you know about Bjorn Andresen uh, you know about the most beautiful boy in the world mm. he was even you know a cut out doll in the magazines you read and he was in the papers and and his story was I mean like stories that always are there you don't sometimes you don't see them or think of them I but right in front of <laughs> <Yeah>. you <laughs> so but you 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 worked with him as a in a Film. Yeah, I, I, I actually met him some uh, well, more than 20 years ago and we worked on it. I'm uh, also making fiction films and TV series and I worked on a TV series for children and he was the bad guy, the one that scared all the children and he loved it. <laughs> uh, he was a sweet person and we, we had a lot of fun on the shoot, but I, I didn't you know, I'm thinking, should I talk about Death in Venice? And I don't oh, know. He seemed very reluctant. There was nothing, something he wanted to talk about. It wasn't something that he wanted to talk about. I mean, and it was I respe- obvious. I respected that, so. But I, uh, when, <laughs> once, once when I joined you, uh, I, I just started to ask things about how it come, how we ended up in the film. And 
uh, about he was talking about started to talk about this living with his grandmother and well what happened to your mother and your father and what so we mm. started to talk about the backstory of his life and uh, then it was a process we we uh, we asked him uh, if we could do this film and mm. it was uh, a process he was reluctant because he used usually used to say <laughs> The, I call it the film that destroyed my life, and it's um, so. It was nothing. He, he didn't want to be defined by that continuously. But uh, we talked and talked about how could we do it. If yeah. We so it took like half a year before we said yes, and then we uh, were shooting the film for five years. So we had the luxury uh, of waiting sort of, you know, for the right moment to, you know, when he would open when up he, and he was, so we... When he wanted to. When he wanted to, it. and we didn't, so we tried really hard not to put any pressure on him, you know, but uh, he knew what we wanted, you know, so, and uh, he was really part of the process and, uh, but he, when he was ready, he sort of invited us, you know, as let the right one in. <laughs> But uh, so then yeah. he, he took us into the room. And then no, when you're doing a film about me, I think, I mean, that was like two years after starting filming. I think mm. you should meet my daughter. And, and that ha that kind of, yeah, yeah the door, he opened the door of two different rooms and decided when, when it was suitable for him. And so how was that process for you then? Were you happy to be patient about it? Or w was it a stage after two years where you were thinking, oh, we're not making much progress here? You were, you seemed like you were very relaxed about it. I think it was, we found that it was necessary. It was not much, uh, of course it was a choice, but we, 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 no, we were happy about it. Or it, of course something, it took one year before we could, come into his apartment, that was a bit frustrating, you know, shooting a documentary and can and we, all, let's go to your place, no. No, because <laughs> I, I never let any, no one in there, but I mean, it was also because he, the only places where he, his living room was uh, some kind, some bars in his neighborhood and it's really hard to film, <laughs> I mean, to do only. Uh, interviews in bars it's rather loud and noisy <laughs> and <it's> strange <laughs> well but it's with i think it, it is it was necessary and we knew that, that but along the way we also i mean discovered it and discovered and found and got all this archive material in different ways so it was i mean we was fully up <laughs> with yeah doing that and, and, it, and it was actually and, like after, I think, three years or something uh, that we found out about the 50-year anniversary. Oh, my God. <laughs> In two years' time, it's, it's 50 years since this film. So it was just like, wow, okay, that's good. I mean, and we, we, had talked, we had talked about that. Yeah, it was, but it, 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 wasn't, the, it wasn't... The, the, but it the, wasn't the, sort of like... Uh, it was not an issue that we... No. And also we thought that uh, oh, we, we will be ready before that, and mm. and then COVID came, you know, and everything yeah. slowed down, and so all of a sudden here we are. It's fifty years, so it happens to be. Yeah, so it's amazing with this London premiere, fifty years after. It's because it really was in London it started. Yeah, you can see that in the film. What a huge deal that was, and I, 
I expect for him when you saw when he went from you know the maybe the fun of the casting or you know elements of of intrigue and and everything was new and then suddenly you're thrown into the limelight I think that probably was a a big moment for him and um, you really see that in the archive and the archive is one of the most amazing things about this film and the many many sources that you have but the quality of it and that it, I'm not surprised it took you so long to make the film when I think of how much archive you had to accumulate was that something yeah. was that something that Bjorn helped with in terms of his family archive because there was quite a lot of that yeah and, and he he did and uh, his sister did and um his daughter when we met her and 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 then we and then then it was you know how it is people people think do you have some films and yeah maybe maybe and and then when people start to look yeah. they find uh, um, like the uh, these sound tapes uh, a lot of hours and hours of sound tapes uh, with um, recording <laughs> I mean, his aunt that recorded, I mean, nearly every telephone call to mm. them. Um, and there was also a secret recording yeah. from his mother put on vinyl and said secret and nobody had ever listened to it. <laughs> so uh, to be listened to after my death, you know, on vinyl. And yeah. then it was, but that was his mother reading poems yeah. to, you know, for the future. Yeah. So there, were, there, there, there is a special family, really. And we also had the researchers in Japan and in Italy and England. Together with uh, us, we, together. And we, we, knew, we, we knew the persons that he had met and we knew about this manga impact and the, which uh, stories uh, that he was a model for. But, so, but we had uh, a lot of research help to find them and get them to to participate and to meet Bjorn because the, the idea for us was not doing a film like with uh, people talking about Bjorn um, so he was always always with us uh, when we were doing things the, the only exception was because that it was a uh, he said, um, I want you to meet my daughter and I want you to meet her alone first so that she can say whatever she wants. Um, that was uh, so. so that was the way we worked. And uh, to come back to the Japan story. Yes, <laughs> it was amazing to to find everyone that he had met and worked with uh, when he was 15 years old and they were there. <laughs> <It was, laughs> It was, as Christina says, it was very much part of the, the, the aesthetics of the film also, not to make a film with the talking heads and experts uh, talking about him and Visconti. And, uh, it, that was also uh, something that he uh, liked when we talked about the film, that he, we wanted to, to do a cinematic film, a film with a production value and we wanted to break it like this widescreen and uh, comparable to the format of uh, Death in Venice and we wanted to do a cinematic film with Bjorn yeah. and he liked that. No, it was so uh, <laughs> weird, we were thinking about this uh, cinema 
and then it sort of and so far it has mostly been shown in or only been shown in online festivals and so actually London is the first time where you can really an, an audience can go and watch it in cinema it's the first yeah. time and that's uh, because so that's amazing and the only sad sto- thing is that we cannot be there because of the because of the quarantine your quarantine quarantine yeah and with when you were making those decisions about how to make the film and keeping Bjorn in it what what were the conversations i suppose that you were having together to kind of figure that out and to figure out what those elements would be to make the film oh, we were talking about uh, places um Mm, his uh, places uh, that uh, related to his path in his life and that it, we wanted to um, make them visual um, like in, in, in Japan and in, in Venice and in, in Stockholm as well so we were, we were filming a lot just milieu, what's that? But also persons, of course, and uh, we had like chapters in the first editing. In the first editing, we had like chapters, like in a, in a book, like in a novel. Uh, but then that came out, but you can still see traces of it, you know, like one chapter is the mother, another chapter is the boy, one chapter is the film, etc. And we, when we were editing, and then also when we were thinking about it, uh, and one huge chapter actually disappeared just before we were finished, and that was the sort of last creative uh, it was decision like we made. Twenty twenty-five minutes. Yeah, and that was called out. the father. He was cut out, <laughs> uh, and that was uh, all about his father, his missing unknown father. Mm. So. So it was like we were walking into um, a, a room, uh, a house with, uh, with his life and went to, through different doors. That's what I feel. <laughs> yeah, and different in, doors in, in, different in a way, the introduction is um, yeah. a little bit uh, a glimpse of that or a sort of visual... Uh, introduction of that idea when when we came because that's hotel the band the ruin of hotel the band the, the main setting for the, the this quantum film and when bjorn saw it because it's in a state as you see now of decay and uh, and uh, he looked at this uh, we came in there and said wow this is fantastic it's the this, walls uh, like the, the, this house is like me <laughs> he has a very he's a very funny yeah, I, I understand you, why you choose this. Yeah, it looks, it looks like me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the uh, it's it's very interesting that you talk about the chaptering of the film because it was something that I really noticed was that you weren't following any specific chronology. It, it felt not that it was very noticeable, but it's just something that kind of dawned on me as I went through. Is like we're not we're, we're not actually kind of you know, taking it from, you know, the beginning to the end, it's it's really, we're able to diverge off and, and to find what feels like the next important thing to talk about. And and I can see how that was part of a, a chaptering process. 
how it's a fascinating film in terms of the edit because it does that so well and because you have all these different materials uh, in terms of audio recordings archive of different types and then this kind of contemporary path that you're you're walking with them how was the edit it feels like it would have been a tricky one to just get that balance right yeah it was a little <laughs> tricky but it was also we sort of actually edited every sort of if you call them chapter uh, you know we had the, the the mother chapter for sort of itself and uh, then this sort of the film for itself and then we started sort of blending them together uh, and and we had the one version which i think still is bjorn's favorite which was two and a half hour long <laughs> <laughs> it was really great <laughs> but it's Maybe not, you know, the dream for a distributor or, <laughs> no. or a producer. So, no. but um, I, it was a bit long. I mean, was, it, I, and this one is better actually. So, it, I mean, it, there's a lot of, of course, darlings cut out yeah. because it was because it's so, so it's so rich the material. Uh, so uh, we had really to. Uh, the, sometimes we just even today. We, uh, I mean, nearly every day there is something we say. Ah. Uh, Shit. <laughs> or we quote something yeah. from a scene that's no longer there, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is weird. Yeah. But it's. But uh, you, that's what happens when you sit in an editing room and you hear these um, lines over and over, and they get into your body and they become quotes of this period of our our life in editing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And doing no, we, this all, we often quote. Uh, so, this, what sort of? Yeah. Life. <laughs> We've been doing this for too long. <laughs> it's time to change yeah. moving up. Yep. But it's, uh, but it's. Uh, I was going to say something about no, but it's. It was important. Uh, I think we both felt that uh, if when you're leaving this film, you you are in. You know, you still can feel some hunger. You know, for I want more instead of feeling I'm full. <laughs> Thank you. No, but. You know, that feeling, you know, when you had enough and the last half hour has been, it's yeah. like a dis endless dessert. <laughs> yeah, we, and we also had a, a very early, we had um, the cinematographer, Erik Wallsten and, um, uh, and uh, Anna von Hauswolf uh, as a composer. Uh, so they were really a part of the of the the making of the film as well and in taking it from the two and a half hours down to the 90 minutes what was that process was that kind of showing it to people doing a little bit more editing i'm always interested in how people make those final decisions yeah it was uh, we tried we tried it because we liked it so much uh this part uh and we tried and tried to we tried to cut down the film and so we lost a lot of things, and it got messier instead. And we and and we also felt that it was every single part was very very good, but in in it was exhausting it to was see. Too, it was too much. Too you much. Too long. Lost uh, yeah. focus, uh, and uh, so it was better to take out one big piece than to sort of take. We no, made that decision that, uh, and and we made it with um, another editor that was in. I mean, because actually, uh, and he says we said to him, "This is your main 
this is your main um, goal. You have to take yeah. out the father. <laughs> and just uh, it's just funny that because that editor, he's the same editor that did uh, let the right one in. Can I ask you then with, with Bjorn, because it's such a personal film and it, and it took you some time to really, I suppose, break down the barriers and create the intimacy that you needed. But it, it is so intimate. I mean, it's surprisingly intimate. And, and obviously we don't see the journey that you took to get to that point. We just arrive at the moment in his apartment where you have that kind of level of access to a man who's very vulnerable. Did he watch the film then? But I, I, I suspect by then he, he knew what, it, you know, he understood what it was becoming, but it, it must have been difficult for him to watch all the same. I, I think I, I think I understand how you how you um, can imagine how it was, but it was not like that, because when Bjorn uh, decided to be in the film, he he just um, he's totally cool. Uh, he has no problems with, oh, don't film that, don't do that. Because he's like he, he, he's like the the camera is not there for him. He's oh, he, so, he, he is extremely casual yeah. about the camera. It's uh, no, it's not a big deal for many some people there. It's a big deal. Oh, it's a, it's a film team in my home. Jesus, yeah. you know, uh, it doesn't bother him at all. He can just you know sit there, smoke and listen, or do something and forget about us, you know. And so, we were just there, so it's a lot of that material, which obviously we can't. Yeah, and 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 also it's a lot of material that is that we have decided for ourselves uh, that we have not uh, cut into the film. Uh, uh, so uh, I mean, so there is a lot of things that are so, not there because we have chosen to not have it there. But also, I think that when you have the luxury of both waiting and just, you know, being spend time with him, things will happen like that telephone call. There was obviously no. not, you know, directed or orchestrated or anything. It just happened, you know. And so that's... Things, the, things happen. Yeah. And that's the beauty of documentary filmmaking, I think. You know, if, if you have time. These, mo <laughs> these moments yeah. that you just, you know appear from out of nowhere but Bjorn has uh, seen the film in, in different uh, I mean different. All, all the different shapes I think yeah yeah, yeah. I don't know yes. how, how many times but yeah. many many times and he likes to watch it yeah. <laughs> yeah that's interesting because I feel for a lot of people maybe it's because he's in the film industry that he's able to kind of watch it and understand and, and so on but it's kind of amazing to me that he would watch it several times do, do you think it's kind of part of a cathartic experience for him or that it's, it, it, the film is doing something to help him? I think it's very hard to speculate on what he is feeling, but uh, obviously he's, uh, but he's also, he's a very smart person and he's a creative person and he's, I think he sees it both. Obviously he's in there. <laughs> he's the main attraction of the main, the main character or how you, but he's also interested in the film and, uh, and the way it's sort of like how, you know, we how made it, it, how yeah. we do it and how we made it and what kind of choices we made and everything of this uh, interests him. And, uh, and, and um, I think it's to answer the question, I think it's, I mean, it's better, it's, it's for Bjorn to yeah, tell, he, but, he, but I, his daughter said, 
said to me that that it, it had meant so much for them because they have during this process they have now can talk about things they never talked about before yeah it it helps to tell your story i suppose sometimes yeah yeah and can you talk a little bit about how you were able to fund the film because as you said, it took you a little while to gain access. Um, at what stage were you able to convince funders to be on board? It seems like you have a really good combination of people that are, have kind of contributed to the film. What was the process like? It went very fast, actually. We had, we had, a, we had a producer who believed in this from day one. And she said, this is the, uh, a project I've been, you know, waiting for someone to come in. And I was dreaming about this project. So I, she was very happy and very passionate about this. The whole process is still ours, so and still is. I mean, yeah. so it's a, and she believed in this, uh, and uh, she's responsible for the. So it didn't take too long time. No, actually. it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't. I mean, for for, I don't know the English expression. Sure, to launch it. It was. I mean, to start filming. And to have resources for that, it was not. Uh, it, it 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 was not a problem. But no. then, of course, while we were, it was uh, like over the years, <laughs> and and yeah, the editing when, time is uh, in the middle of the fourth year. Yeah, so fourth year still shooting. Uh, or aren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Happy, so, you know. And and uh, yeah. So of course we had these discussions, and you know, editing time also. My God, I mean, and 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 really. also the the. But this, she was very supportive. Yeah, very I think it has also the pandemic has added a lot of costs to the process. Yeah, when you because we had co-production and we said Danish sound designers and I mean, just um, yeah, different. And also when to 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 release the film, I mean, we, yeah, it has. Yeah. We had one and a half year now or more of, of COVID, so we, we've been sort of waiting for the right moment to release it. And I don't, don't know if that is the right moment. Uh, Sundance felt like a good place to start. It was great. Yeah, it was great. Sundance was great. And it still is, because it's in London now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it took, as you said, a number of years to make it, but I, I increasingly feel that the more time you can spend with a film, often the better it ends up being. I mean, would you subscribe to, to that, that, it, that it, you needed that long to make the film as good as it is? Yeah. yeah. I think it would have been impossible yeah. uh, not having this time in, in this special case. I mean, I, of course, there are other projects where you can be faster and uh, it's not necessary. But, the, but the, uh, this particular film, yes, I yeah. would say the time, time is, wasn't extremely important yeah. and and and, and uh, as, as the way we wanted to do it, it it we had to wait for we had to wait for japan and we had to wait for finding the right moments and possibilities to to meet people and some people that bjorn wanted us to meet uh it took some time to find and, and some so, died during the yeah so they yeah. were not so was there any areas of bjorn's life that you wanted to for him to talk more about, but he wasn't willing to, or or he seems very open in throughout the film. 
Yeah, of course, uh, there's a lot of things that we have talked about also that we have decided that this is not um, for, um, I mean, he, he has, uh, I think we haven't had this dialogue during the filming very much, so we haven't had that kind of things when you see, you see the film and says, cut that out, cut that out, I don't want it to be, it's more like we had this, uh, trustful, um, trusting re relationship during the filming. Um, there was two persons in 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 Paris uh, that that we had booked uh, that we would go to make interviews with. One of them died suddenly, and another one cancelled the interview. So when we landed in Paris and put on the mobile, it was it's cancelled. So it was a yeah, bit... Then there was an American actor. Yeah, there was, it was... Uh, which we really, really Harry Fisher. Harry Fisher, they were, they were friends. He, so that was uh, something that Bjorn really wanted yeah. us to... And all of a sudden she died. Just yeah. like that. When we were about in the middle of the shooting. So mm -hmm. those things happen also. So it's... Very, I mean, we are have been very, very lucky mm -hmm. also. So mm -hmm. I, can't complain, but there are, of course, yeah. that would have been interesting. Was, was there anything, was there anything from this film that was a big lesson for you that you would take forward into other films that you might make? Mm, it's so special. I think um, when you, every film it has its own. All, yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I think at least we have put where much. Uh, um, I mean, things we have this uh, experience before since uh, other films, yeah. and now we put them together. And this film was extraordinary in the way uh, with Bjorn, with the, with his uh, our, com uh, our the way of working together with him, and with all this archive materials, which is both personal and and uh, from. Right, and from this moment, we see the moments in his life happen mm. before our eyes. So it's, I think we, we put together very much experiences together in this film. Yeah. Um, thinking also that the, uh, to be courageous, I think we actually have been that and we have tried a lot of things, although it's not, some of it is in the film and some it you know, didn't work, but we still try them. Instead of thinking, oh my God, how, you know, how would that be to, you know? So we, we, we had an idea, which is, this might work, we shot it, mm -hmm. instead of just talking about it, or we, we edit it. So we, and that's, you know, also adds to the time, of course, but uh, we did that, and I, that was, I, I really liked that. Uh, yes, and the combination of that, uh, oh, the photographer was, it was not only like a lot of documentaries are talking as or talking. It seems it's like being yeah, a flying wall, but this we, we really wanted it to be visual. So we had this I think, special with this film for us, I think. And I think also many people, uh, myself included, were doing documentaries have, are, have an idea. And then they sort of want to illustrate that idea as they go along, uh, instead of what, what, 
hey, wait a minute, well, what is the reality here? What is happening? What is really happening? And, you know, it's changing. It's, you know, in front of your eyes and it's not, maybe not as exactly as you thought it would be, you know, and then, okay, so go for that instead. And I think that was a lot of with Bjorn, you know, like uh, things were changing and new paths, new rooms, new uh, stories and... Yeah, after after a, a summer time. vacation, he said, for example, just uh, uh, I want you to meet my girlfriend, <laughs> Jessica. <laughs> yeah. She was totally new. Yeah. So uh, all in a sudden she was there. And I mean, it would have been possible that she didn't want to be, participate at all or so. But, but she was there and all of a sudden started cleaning the apartment. <laughs> okay, yeah. so that's a new yeah. <laughs> path in yeah. this. Uh, movie. It's it's one of the big aspects of it, and I wonder if this was part of your conversation with your cinematographer too. Is the juxtaposition between the face that you see then and the face that you see now, and but at the same time, you photograph him with such respect and affection now. You know what I mean? It's not as if you hide from that. So like that was to me a really kind of a juxtaposition that at, at the beginning is almost. I suppose a little bit shocking to see how far he's fallen. But by the end of it, you actually have so much respect for him that you're looking at his face in another way again. And I wonder yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Very nice. I'm nice so glad support. to hear you say that because that's the sort of something you know yeah. you, you really want the audience to have that feeling as yeah. you describe it now. It was, I think I'm very, very glad because that was our intention. Because he has such a dignity and, uh, and a beauty in another way. Uh, to see him as a, to be a person, not an image. Yeah, because if you if you maybe if you see that man walking on the beach, you think you know he's so he's so thin and he looks like the, his life has been very difficult and and you know nothing about him. You maybe you don't have the respect that you would have for him when you understand his entire story put together. And I think that's what you've done is you you've put together the jigsaw of his life in a way that makes you really feel great empathy for him. But I also thought the visual side of that was really well done. You know, the, 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 the cinematographer did a wonderful job of capturing that. And um, I mean, did, was that, and you used kind of a lot of nice gimbal shots and so on. So it had that cinematic feel despite it being, in, you know, in the, in the modern moment and in a documentary. And I just wondered, yeah, a little bit more about that kind of, what conversations you have with the cinematographer to make sure that you got that kind of feeling, you know? Oh, we had it. Uh, we had a. I remember we had a starting meeting, drinking hot chocolate <laughs> and cinnamon buns with him. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, he's a very talented uh, young uh, cinematographer, and uh, he was very, I mean, uh, intrigued to do this. In, so we had a constant dialogue, mm. uh, and, and we had this uh, Alexa, uh, the camera, he, or he had, yeah. And also, he, he's a steady cam operator as well. Uh, so you know, he, he, the steady cam shots in, in the film are he operated himself. So it's a very technically also advanced and. Uh, 
But uh, we, we were looking at uh, photographs uh, of old classic documentary, you know, portraying, uh, it's, oh, it's not so known in England, but Sune Jonsson. And we were looking at the classic Swedish photography, you know, capturing people. Uh, and so he's very, very well sort of in, in fo still fo photo history. He's very, he's a legend, you know. It's also very much the, about um, dignity. dignity, you know, portraying people or had a rough lives, you know, Swedish peasants uh, living in the north of Sweden, you know, they, uh, how they, you know, he portrays them in their... This, this, this uh, still photographer that yeah. we were inspired of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's kind of it's these kind of powerful portraits, isn't it, of, of him? You know, and have, allowing that just to happen visually, as you said, as opposed to just be interviews all the time. Yeah. It's also important that we talk a lot about that, that we should also be able to go back and have a lot of wide shots, not to be sort of like too uh, TV, <laughs> sort of like documentary, look, but sort of get that film, but to yeah. go back. And obviously, when if we, because we decided about the widescreen, <laughs> so we had yeah. to fill it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a not so, um, it's not working so well in, in a computer format. <laughs> yeah. It was a pleasure talking to both of you. Uh, I really love the film. I think it's a really, really beautiful portrait of him. And uh, I hope that it does really well for you. So thank you and, and best of luck. Thank you. Thank you. Thank All you. the best. Many thanks again to Christina and Christian for taking part in the interview. The most beautiful boy in the world is playing in cinemas in the UK and Ireland from July 30th. Thanks to Stephen Galvin and Film Ireland for supporting the podcast and to film composer Michael Fleming for kindly allowing me to steal his music. You can find more of it at michaelflemingmusic.com and thanks to you for listening.